what's up? This is Social Night on Impact 89FM, where we talk about all things pop culture. And today's topic is The Boys on Amazon Prime, specifically season two, which just wrapped up a um, couple weeks ago. I am your host, Matt Burdick, and I'm joined by Ethan and Matt. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Ethan Youngblood. I'm the promotions coordinator at Impact. I, uh, I'm Matt Nike. I'm a volunteer at Impact. Awesome. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, starting off, how did you guys discover the show? How did you first hear about it? When did you start becoming a fan of the boys? Yeah, I just saw the commercials on TV and then like, it just seemed really impressive. And then one day my dad just like, yeah, we've had Amazon Prime for a while. I just never knew. So that was like the first thing I watched. I, uh, all my friends were talking about it right before season two came out this year. And I was, uh, I had four exams like the next week. And so I was just studying and between my breaks, I was watching the boys and I just couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was so good. That sounds like a stressful time. That's like, oh, it was brutal. Like Penn's show you could be watching during like already the most <laughs> stressful period. Yeah. As soon as I saw like the first seed where uh, a trade runs through uh, Huey's girlfriend, I was like, what kind of a show is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and I guess just a, a disclaimer that I should have said at the very start, but obvious spoiler warnings for, every episode of the boys that is available now. So if you haven't seen the show, go watch it and then come back and listen to us talk about it. But yeah, for me personally, I'm pretty sure it was probably through Twitter. I think it was one of those accounts where it's like moments right before unfortunate events or something like that. And I would just keep seeing like screen caps from the boys on there. And I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to have this whole show spoiled for me by Twitter, I might as well just start watching it. But yeah, so since we're going to be mostly focusing on season two today, we'll just brush over season one with one quick question, I guess. What were you guys' impressions after you finished the first season? I was just happy the second season was right right there for me. <laughs> I'd have to wait a whole year. <laughs> Show so good. True. For me, like just seeing the heroes and then realizing like how evil they are was like a little scary. But at the same time, like they had a lot of comedy in there too, which helped filter it out. You kind of see like, how some of the heroes were like their own downfall later on in the series too, just because of how they were. Yeah. The thing that kind of hooked me, I started watching it, um, I think just a couple weeks before season two came out because I wanted to, you know, get there, see it as it was happening. Um, I think I binged the whole thing in two or three days because it's a very addicting show. But the thing that really got me is one, yeah, that mixture of just like really dark action, but comedy at the same time, the kind of thing that like shows like Breaking Bad do really well. And then just the fact of like, I think the show does a great job of giving off that feeling of seeing all of these like evil or harmful structures coming up all around you and just feeling like powerless to do anything about it. And it's also kind of a good like power fantasy to just vicariously get to live through these characters that are able to like do things in the face of powerlessness. But yeah, moving on to season two. Season two starts with that opening scene of uh, I believe it's Black Noir going through the terrorist hideout and taking everybody out to uh, Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. What were your first impressions? What was your gut reaction when you started season two? You never have like an impression of like Black Noir because he never talks and you didn't see much of him in the first season. So I was kind of like wondering if he was an actual good guy or like an actual enemy. But like as the show goes on, you kind of see like he's more just kind of a lapdog for the bot and like the entire corporation, honestly. So I guess he doesn't really have like a good or bad side. He just does what he's told. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also thought, especially that first first scene, I thought it set the tone really well for the whole season. 
because in there you're right away thinking like, oh no, like Vaught won the because the whole first season was them trying not to get that bill passed for them to be in the military, and so that makes you think that they already had that bill passed, and then uh, obviously that didn't happen yet, but it was like constantly in the back of your mind, like okay, like now that they see this is working out super well for them. But later we find out in a, was this season two or season one where we find out that Vought's selling Compound V to other countries to make um, supervillains? I believe that's season two. Yeah. So that I thought that first scene set the tone really well to lead up to uh, the central part of season two. Yeah, I would agree with that, with it setting the tone. And I think it's like right after that scene too, where we get another montage set to music with uh, Billy Joel's pressure. And I think that was also really cool because that, song has a lot of like anxious tension to it that kind of sets up the stakes i also feel like that opening scene was a little bit of fan service because i know after season one black noir they kind of become like a fan favorite character despite the fact that we know and see almost like nothing in his character so i think starting it out with this huge sequence of him was kind of them being like okay fine you want more of him here you go Specifically, how did you guys feel about the release schedule about this show, like being on a streaming service like Amazon, but still coming out week by week instead of being dropped all at once? Do you think it worked in the show's favor or do you think it worked against it? Honestly, I kind of like, I kind of like the having to wait a week because it kind of like builds your anticipation a little bit. You can't just go like right next to the, to the next episode. Plus it helped me like pace myself when watching the show and space everything out too. So I don't like binge watch it. Yeah, I definitely agree with the building anticipation, especially because me and my friends, I watched all the episodes with them and we'd get so excited once Friday came and like the new boys is out and especially the finale, the finale, like we were all watching it, everyone's so into it. I thought it was, it like made it an event like for every week. So I thought that was a lot more fun because we wouldn't have had that if all the episodes just dropped at once. Yeah, definitely. I 100% feel the same way as you guys. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of angry at first when it was like announced that it would be on a week by week basis. I think there were even some like people like review bombing the show with one star reviews just because of the release schedule. But personally, I think it gave me like something to look forward to every Friday. That was kind of cool. And it also it gives you more space to like come up with theories and talk about the show and just it's like the lost effect, like the water cooler, like trying to guess what's happening instead of having it all revealed right away. Yeah, exactly. So what about this season stood out to you as different from the first? Um, honestly, like, I feel like they incorporated more stuff from like real life in there. I find like the superheroes kind of resemble like the cops and kind of like what's going on in real life, at least in my opinion, and like how tough it can be to like stand up to authority. But like, some people have like the courage to do it. It was like really difficult. There were like a lot of casualties and a lot of danger. But in the end, it helped out everyone just to stand up to authority and get like, try and just like fight for like the more oppressed people or like the people who were like powerless, like how you said earlier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then I also thought the way Homelander took over Vought, it just kind of like, I thought it was a dig at the whole like nationalism movement that's been happening across the whole world uh, with what happens when like power hungry people get into power. I've, I've thought that paralleled that well. And then uh, I forgot that Senator's name, but she's super closely paralleled uh, AOC. Oh yeah. Victoria. Yeah. That was something I wanted to get into too. Yeah. My, I keep thinking, I wonder if like AOC 
if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has seen this show and seen this character based off of her and then later like what it's revealed that this character does I don't know um that's something we'll probably get into in a minute but yeah I would agree I think the show has always been kind of political but I think season one it was a little more a little more subtle and season two just kind of yeah they didn't even try to hide it yeah they dropped the salty all like yeah like Um, mother's milk always had like those sweatshirts with like the the black lives matter like this on it yeah oh yeah i'm pretty sure they even had like keep superheroes great or like make superheroes great again or something i swear i swear i saw that somewhere yeah and i also agree with uh what you said about homelander kind of being like a figure of nationalism and then i would see stormfront kind of like the representation of fascism and the fact that they get together in the middle too is very on the nose but also sadly pretty relevant right now like yeah. at first I was like, oh man, they're really just gonna like introduce the stereotypical like Nazi supervillain. This might be going a bit too far. But then I like thought about it for a second and I'm like, wait, this is not really that far from reality, actually. This is pretty relevant today. Exactly. So what do you think uh Stormfront added to the show then? Because this is a character that wasn't at all in season one and then probably more so than anything else, like became the new huge part of season two. At first I thought like Stormfront would be like the one person to like challenge authority and like change things for the better because she was like always going against what Homelander wanted and was like doing her own thing but then you kind of found out she was racist. I think at that point where she was like where she fight, fights Kimiko and her brother and they go through like the apartment complex that had like mostly black people and she was just like destroying everything regardless of if they were civilians or not which was a little scary to watch honestly. Yeah. But like it honestly added like kind of a collateral damage aspect to it too as well that you don't really think about in like other hero shows even though i don't know if you counted as collateral damage because she kind of wasn't she was kind of going out of her way for some people to like die yeah i also think she added like someone who was easy to root against i feel that might be also a big reason they put it in just because if you look at the first season like obviously you're against vaught but you're not really you can't really be against the people once you find out that they're like pumping babies full of compound V. You know, it's like not their obviously you have the like really bad ones like Homelander and A Trade and the Deep, but like it's it's hard to root against the other ones like Maeve and uh Starlight that were in the seven. But the, or, and even Black Noir, because he he just <laughs> he just didn't do anything. He was always yeah. just there. I feel like we still um, don't really know what's up with him, but I, I don't yeah, but then I feel like once they added Stormfront and then once it got revealed that she created Vaught, it was just like very obvious and like easy to root against her. I I thought that was like one reason why they could have put it in just to make like an easy villain for the show. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, I think like, yeah, it's another element that makes it like just raising the stakes and raising the amount of like anger you feel towards certain characters on this show. Cause like, the first season, of course, like, you you hate Vaught, you realize how corrupt they are and stuff, but, like, after a while, it's not that that gets, not that that gets old, but it doesn't have the immediacy, like, you don't, you've been angry at these characters for so long that it's not fresh yeah. anymore, and by adding somebody like this who's just so obviously, like, evil, and especially the way they make you kind of like her at the beginning, like you were talking about, too, of how she seemed like she might be the opposite of what she turned out to be, and what you guys were saying kind of ties into another thing I wanted to bring up, and that's how this show, even with both heroes and villains, kind of gives you a reason to 
feel sympathy for almost all of the characters like Homelander even we kind of get a glimpse into his mind and the things driving him like the deep and the A train once we find out about their like personal and financial issues makes you kind of empathize with them a little bit even Stormfront maybe a little bit but probably to the smallest degree with how like she talks about basically like the curse of not aging and how she's watched like everyone she loves die and obviously that's not like a motivation to become a Nazi psychopath or whatever but yeah I don't know. Are there any characters that you guys felt sympathy towards that you didn't expect to, or any characters that you guys didn't feel like basically any characters that you absolutely don't forgive no matter what the show tries to do with them? I was going to say, I think her name's Ashley, like the person who kind of manages the seven. I kind of feel bad for her because it's like she always kind of has to be like on her game because if she doesn't, like Homelander will like just get upset or Stormfront might kill her or do something like that. So she's like, always has her life on the line just to like make sure all those heroes are happy and comfortable she has to like deal with the slightest inconveniences they have which probably has to be terrible for sure yes i was actually thinking about that for next season i think ashley so the whole in this season homelander purposely picked her just because he could push her over no matter what but i feel like next season now that they're all against homelander like do you think she's gonna try to get like revenge or something I feel like maybe she could like now abuse her own power onto him just because he did it to her. And you could tell like how much it got to her where she's pulling out her hair and she's just constantly stressed out because because like Ethan said, she always has to be on her game. That's true. I'm still not totally sure how I feel about like what role Ashley is going to play in everything. I kind of thought she might be a red herring. I was kind of expecting her honestly to just get like unceremoniously killed off in the last episode or something but now that you say that I think she could wind up playing a bigger role and be like the wild card that nobody sees coming another character that I started sympathizing with that I really didn't expect to was the deep his I was gonna say that yeah I'm pretty funny um I also feel like I don't know every time they seem like so close to redeeming him only to have him <laughs> extremely backslide again like just when he started to be becoming self-aware of himself and his own actions and then he just gets totally brainwashed by um the uh the cults that is definitely not scientology i thought it was so funny hold on what was it when he was in that meeting he's like a train the guy was like a train did something and the deep right away he's like it's like a train fuck that guy oh yeah oh you're a toxic person and he's like, no, we're glad you did it. Oh, good job, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. I think that was so funny. He's so, uh, what is the word? Like, it still seems like he has no sense of self. And he'll just follow whatever he's told to do, kind of, which in a way it is easy to sympathize with, but also kind of makes him seem like a not great person. I don't know. What were you going to say, Ethan? I just feel like he always tries to help, like, especially with the seven, which I guess wouldn't be technically helping, but like, he always tries to help. It always backfires. Like, when he was trying to catch, like, Huey, uh, Billy, and those guys, and sends, like, the whale in front of him, and then the whale just gets, like, destroyed by that boat and dies. That was, like, this one thing, and he didn't even get that right. Or when the dolphin, when he has the dolphin in his truck, and it flies out the window, and then, like, a truck comes and runs it over. Yeah, yeah, I was like, no way. I don't know. Do you think, where do you think his character is headed? Do you think he's going to wind up on the side of the good guys? Do you think he's going to wind up being someone they have to fight or 
maybe none of the above. Maybe they'll just keep doing this comedy relief arc until the end of the show and he won't matter. I feel like it's either that or he might get like higher up in like that religious cult he's in. Now that the leader's like dead, I feel like he could honestly rise up and potentially even take control of it. That's true. I feel like having him be like the head of the cult could add a really funny dynamic to season three. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially in the way it seemed to me like they were setting up the the collective to be like maybe the big bad guys of the next season or like really big characters moving forward. And then after the ending of the season, that's probably not really possible anymore. Yeah. I was thinking we saw a lot of like lower tier superheroes that like kind of get recycled, but they don't have like a big organization around them, like the seven. So I don't, have you guys ever seen My Hero Academia? Oh yeah. Love that. I was thinking, I was thinking that maybe, uh, like he's gonna start his own like agency or something like kind of how My Hero Academia is. And then you have the Seven, and then you have the Deeps heroes and other stuff, rather than just the Seven and a bunch of lower tier heroes that just sign autographs and like don't get money. Yeah, that's a really good point because like theoretically we'd assume that there's other teams of superheroes like the Seven out there, but we never really see any of them. Yeah, that that's why I was thinking, and I just thought that with the deep constantly getting pushed around by the seven and after we saw we saw who was it mesmer we saw the super fast guy i forgot his name the shockwave shockwave Shockwave, and i think there was mr marathon yeah so there's there's a lot of these heroes that we just don't see what they do and i'm pretty sure with mesmer even he we know he doesn't do anything other than sign autographs oh we had that the arrow guy who who got the deep into the collective oh yeah i'm thinking it's probably gonna be a i forgot his name but arrow guy and uh the deep i'm thinking they could have like a team up sometime maybe yeah or well i don't know that depends on whether or not the deep leaves the church and then you also kind of have a train following this a similar path this season where he seems to be almost heading toward redemption or he's just like begrudgingly kind of helping the the good guys but yeah that's another uh I think another theme of this season that we see play out a lot is kind of uh, begrudging team-ups between characters who normally wouldn't work together and kind of just all these situations where these characters all hate each other and are looking for any attempt to destroy each other, but that they have to keep working together because of circumstances or like knowledge that they have against each other. Like we see it with Annie and A-Train being in the seven together and like knowing all of each other's secrets and then we see it on a smaller scale, even with Frenchie and Lamplighter in the prison thing. What do you think some of the other themes, overarching themes of the season might be? I think definitely, uh, I, I want to say nature versus nurture, but that's not what I'm saying. Uh, just basically how you're brought up in your childhood. Because we saw that Homelander, he keeps like talking about this too, to, um, to Ryan. He's saying like, oh, how like he hated being like, grown up by doctors like he didn't have a childhood he was just a lab rat and that basically made him the way he is like that's why he wants all this freedom to do whatever he wants because as a kid he literally had no freedom and everyone was so scared of him so he was just always isolated that's why he's always looking for a uh, confirmation or just like appreciation uh, and that's why he wants everyone to admire him and so I feel that was big, and I feel like that's also going to lead into season three because at the very end, we saw Ryan get taken away by um, whoever that was. Yeah. Um, was that the, like the CIA or the FBI? Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like season one, we had a lot of like Homelander mommy issues stuff going on. Season yeah. two kind of explored fathers a bit more. I think we had Homelander and Ryan, we had Butcher and Ryan, and we even got into like Billy Butcher's relationship with his own father. And yeah, I definitely agree with the nature versus nurture aspect coming in big. Ethan, do you have any thoughts? The only thing I could think of is like there was that small theme, like where they do that sitcom, Will They, Won't They, between Starlight and Huey. And that just goes out through the entire season till eventually it's like they do get together. Yeah. A funny, I guess, wink to the audience. Yeah. That was going to be my answer for what I think one of the biggest themes was too, is the way that our relationships to other people kind of shape our, shape each other. Because we have the whole Huey and Butcher dynamic, which becomes even more important this season, even though they spend less time together. Um, I think they have the whole canary in the coal mine metaphor of how like, Huey can kind of be the one to keep Butcher in check. And of course, Huey just kind of like latches on to people like Butcher and Annie. Uh, meanwhile, we have like Homelander starting to become defined by his relationship to Stormfront, which is kind of in the opposite direction. Instead of being a positive development for his character, that becomes a very scary thing to watch play out. I don't know. What do you think are some of the most important relationships in the show or these like dynamics between two characters? Um, I think Homelander and I think Maeve, they had like a pretty interesting relationship where it's like she was too scared to like defy him. So she just did whatever she wanted at first. And then she kind of got to the point where she just like gave up on anything getting better. And then like in the very end, she realized like she's her own person and like the cycle or like her pain won't stop until like she does something about it and like stops Homelander. I feel like that's also brought up with Maeve's relationship with Starlight because she sees Starlight going out of her way to like help Huey to take down a homelander. She see Starlight do all these things Maeve wishes she could have done. And then finally she gets the courage to do it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also the one that I was going to point out for Maeve that I just remembered is um, Elena. Is that the name of her partner? But yeah, the way that like we see how Maeve does like all the things she does for her girlfriend and that relationship kind of defines her and all of her actions this season. Meanwhile, we have people like the deep who can't really form meaningful connections with people and that kind of shapes his arc too. I also noticed a lot of parallels between Billy Butcher and Homelander that were pointed out this season that I'm really glad they went into because they hinted at it in season one, but it became a big thing this season of like, they're basically two sides of the same coin in a way with Homelander, his superiority complex of thinking he's better than everyone and Butcher looking down on anyone who's like a superhero. I don't know. Would you guys agree with that point? Yeah. yeah. Plus like they're both not afraid to kill like anyone that gets in their way, like regardless of like reasons or who they are. Yeah. I, I thought that was also explored. Like obviously what Ethan said, but I thought the superiority complex of, Homelander and the butcher looking down on anyone who's a superhero. I thought that was big with Ryan, especially because so obviously his wife loved Ryan because it's her son. <laughs> but right. then you saw uh, Butcher wanting nothing to do with him. Like he, wa he was going to kill him. He was going to give him to Vaude. He was going to uh, ditch him and just run away. Yeah, he was going to run away with Becca, leave Ryan alone. And then we see at the very end, we see at the very end, I thought the distinction, like that they separated, like Butcher becomes like a better person. And like you said, uh, Homelander becomes a worse person because they said, they said Stormfront is still alive. So obviously uh, Homelander saved her, I guess, but Homelander also went there and he was going to kill 
Butcher. And we also saw earlier Homelander wanted to make Riot even more powerful than he is. And while that's not inherently a bad thing, it's bad in the context of the show because of what he wants superheroes to be. Right. And also, even there was that one that one comment where uh, Stormfront was like, oh, by the way, Ryan, you're better than everyone just because you have white skin. And Homelander is kind of like just agreeing with her, just letting her say that to his kid. So we see like his character go way down and Butcher's character go way up. Butcher become a better person where he, wherein he's uh, not looking down on superheroes as much where he's like realizing there's nuance. And Homelander's going in the other direction where he's just becoming worse and worse and needs more power. Well, I agree that I think Homelander has been going down like an even worse path this season. I kind of took the opposite away from that specific scene where Stormfront is talking to Ryan. I think that once she starts bringing up like the white genocide and stuff like that, um, Homelander doesn't really say anything. We just see an expression. So I suppose it's up to interpretation. But it looked to me like he was kind of realizing how crazy Stormfront might actually be. And I thought that might be the moment when he would start turning on her. But I still think that although he might not agree with her like whole Nazi mentality, I think the fact that she strokes his ego and like appeals to his need to be liked by everyone makes him like pretty easily persuaded by the stuff she says. But in terms of uh, Billy Butcher and Ryan and the ending of that arc, that was actually one of the things about this season that I wasn't a huge fan of is that and I know we've talked about this before, like outside of this, but I was kind of hoping that Butcher would get stuck with Ryan and have to like maintain that relationship. And, you know, he did wind up giving Ryan over to the government. So that kind of feels like backsliding a little bit to me. I don't know. I feel like that might be something that's explored more in season three that we can't know about yet though. So this is what I'm actually excited for about season three. So it didn't seem to me like he just willingly gave over Ryan. Like, yes, yes, he gave him over, but he was also working with those people to to capture Ryan, to take down Stormfront and Homelander. So I, f- it, I feel like it was just like a deal that had to be made. And well, he can't exactly stand up to them because anytime we see them go out and do anything, it's with lots of preparation. But this is probably they came in at they didn't really have any options other than to give him away. And I think in season three, we're going to see a lot of parallels with how Homelander was brought up and how Ryan is going to be taken care of now, where he's just going to be a lab rat. And I think then in season three, because it seemed like Butcher uh, started to care for Ryan. And that was, that was Becca's like dying wish to protect Ryan or for Butcher to love Ryan or whatever. So I think that's going to be like the biggest part of season three. They're going to try to break out Ryan and raise him correctly, I guess. I can see that. I also definitely like the irony of Butcher's whole like plan this season to be to get Becca back and kind of ditch Ryan, like supposedly. And now he's like stuck without Becca, but Ryan is still possibly in his life. So I was going to split this up into a few questions, but I think we could probably cover it all in one go because I'm sure they're all pretty closely related what do you think the end game is for Ryan Homelander and Billy Butcher? Where do you think their character paths are headed? I feel like Ryan will probably be like the change in like how heroes operate though. I feel like he could be like, I guess that light of hope that he could be different than everyone else. Aside from the fact that he's the only natural born superhero. 
you'd actually someone who helps people and not just abuses his power compared to Homelander. I can definitely see Ryan as sort of like a a Christ figure in a way because like the whole immaculate conception I want to say the fact that Ryan was like a child that it wasn't supposed to be possible for him to be born and he still was and he might wind up being like maybe the savior figure like you were saying um what are your thoughts Matt I think we're gonna see Homelander actually go crazy this season I, I think so. they teased it they teased it in season two but I think with the very last scene of season three or season two I mean uh I don't think Homelander is going to be able to sit back on the sidelines like the seven are making him do right now. So I think we'll finally see Homelander go crazy. Yeah, I think Ryan, my theory is that he's got to be the the character to defeat Homelander somehow. I don't think anyone else could really fill that role. But yeah, I also definitely think the show has been going towards Homelander finally snapping and becoming this like all out force of evil that he seems to be destined to be. I was hoping it would happen this season because I know it'll be entertaining to watch at least, but I thought it was going to happen at the end of, I think it was episode four where he, uh, he has doppelganger in the form of him doing things that I probably can't mention on this podcast. And oh, yeah. basically he kills him and he says, I don't need anyone but myself. I thought that was going to be the moment, but then Stormfront comes and kind of, he backslides on that a little But What do you guys think it's going to take for him to finally break? For a second, I thought it was going to be the moment where like everyone was protesting against him, <laughs> just like yelling at him. And like, he had that vision of just lasering everyone, but he didn't do it. I thought it was going to be dead for a second. But That scene made me so mad. I hate it when shows do that fake out. <laughs> exactly. I feel you. But I feel like it's going to be that moment where it's like, I feel like he's going to obviously go back to try and get Ryan again, maybe a couple of times. And then there's just going to be a point where like, once Ryan realizes like how evil Homelander is, it's just going to be like an exchange of words. And then he's going to probably like snap there. Yeah. And I feel, I definitely agree with that because last time we saw Ryan get taken away from him, he killed all those Vought soldiers. So people on his team working with him, he just murdered them. Definitely. And then we have the scene of him doing some things on top of a building over New York City, which interestingly was actually a deleted scene from season one. I've heard like the producers talk about that they that was the one scene where Amazon was like, okay, now you guys went too far. We can't put that in the show. And now they were able to put it in at the end of season two, which kind of ironic because the whole scene is homelander saying i can do whatever i want so maybe that's them yeah i feel like it works better in season two though because yeah it's like the only thing he has control of to do now because he can't do anything else yeah (laughs) that makes sense control is also a huge theme of this season uh, especially the fact that like it seems like knowledge and blackmail are the most powerful weapons in this show even more so than all these crazy superpowers it's just people like having knowledge over someone else that they can hold over them. So what was something about this season that surprised you that maybe defied your expectations? Like you went into it thinking one thing and came out of it thinking the other. Well, I was, I guess I'll address the elephant in the room. Like I was surprised to see how far they'd go with powers when they were in the jail and like the tentacle guy, like broke through that glass and started, <laughs> you know, was it mother's milk? That he was yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we had to, we had to address the tentacle penis at some point. Good, because like when I first saw it, I'm like, 
wait, what what is that? And then like after you see the guy, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was the show was or this season was way grittier than I expected with the whole lamplighter setting himself on fire, uh, the prison, and that one prisoner that was like crushing things and exploding people. She's still out there. We never saw it. We saw her like get into that car and uh, nothing since. And also, what else was there? Oh, uh, the blatant racism, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I just, it was way grittier than I expected, but I think it was better for it. Yeah, I think that's kind of a hallmark of the show is just like when you think they can't push it any farther, they always do. But season one, it would be like every once in a while. And this season is just like multiple times per episode. We'll just get these like horrifying deaths or these, yeah, just characters saying things that you're like, you can say that on TV. Yeah. Like going off of what Matt said, like even like you saw like a whole nother side of Homelander, like when they were adding characters, like when they added that guy to the seven who was blind. And then Homelander like oh. took his hearing away. He's like, "Yeah, I don't want disabled people on my team." Oh yeah. It's like, wow, I didn't know it was like that. Yeah, and I mean the whole head exploding too, like that. I hate whenever I, like there's head exploding in any sort of movie or something. That's like one of the I don't know most disturbing things to me. And I think that is definitely one of the advantages of this show too is the fact that you know it's like willing to go that far so it kind of makes there be stakes for every scene basically there's a lot of tension and anxiety because you realize any character at any moment could meet like this horrible fate yeah so about the head exploding though so i think she's hope uh stormfront's daughter because that she that would like she's old enough but also their powers are well I don't, we don't know if that's her only power, but when we see her at the very end, her eyes get like cloudy and stormy after she exploded the heads. That's true. But also that's something else that I wish that that hadn't been the cliffhanger at the ending because like, I'm wondering what is the show trying to say now where it had a season all about like alt-right neo-Nazis being like the main villains. And then at the end, now suddenly for one of the biggest villains to be this like super progressive like left-wing politician i don't know what i took away from that was especially with how polarizing the political climate is i think they're just saying that being an extreme on either side is like not good that's what i took out of it a part of me is like i see the uh like the idea of the controlled opposition and how like she's probably a vault plant and like the two sides aren't that different but i also kind of feel like I want the show to like take a firm stance and not fence sitting where it's like like the South Park effect of where it's like we just make fun of everything so it can't yeah everything I don't know like it seems like a bit of a cop-out for them just to be like everybody's evil I do agree with that yeah but yeah we'll uh we'll back away from the uh horrifying real world implications of the show for a second and we'll get into some fun questions. So what was your favorite episode and or favorite moment of the entire season? My favorite episode was easily the prison one with the like the facility break in. Yeah, I kind of like the one where they were like, they were all on that boat and then trying to, weren't they trying to meet, um, I can't remember her name. I think they were trying to meet her like overseas so like no one would find out. But then like the deep came in, that whole episode was like just pretty interesting because the whole fight scene and just everything that went on that episode was just very interesting. And then you had to see how um Starlight would like 
would she like kill Huey because Homelander told her to, or would she actually like stand up for herself? We got to see some of that too. Yeah. I uh my favorite moment had to be when Maeve showed up in the finale as like what's her name? Kimiko and Starlight are getting uh just beat up by Stormfront. And then Maeve comes in and they're all just beating up Stormfront after that. And she's just <laughs> just tearing her a new one there. Yeah. Because the show honestly made Stormfront such a like they did such a good job of making her so hateable. Like, I don't think there's any character in any show I disliked more than her. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely one of my favorite moments, too. And the way they did, like, the it parodied, like, the girls get it done scene. Yeah. And, like, I know there's, like, a similar scene in Avengers, I think, where in this uh, the middle oh. of this, like, huge oh, battle, all the, the female superheroes, like, come together. And it's, like, well, we can appreciate the message. It kind of felt contrived and like a little forced when the yeah. Avengers did it. And this seemed like them kind of poking fun at it, which by, by having a moment that was like a lot more empowering while at the same time being like a lot less uh, marketable, I guess, or like. It also fit Maeve's arc, I thought. Like it yeah. made sense for Maeve to be there. Or actually, it didn't, it didn't make sense. I don't know how she got there. She can't fly. So I don't know how she even knew they were there, but. But it like it made sense with her arc, as in Starlight's been helping her, or she's been like low key idolizing Starlight throughout the season, just on how Starlight's fighting back against Homelander and just staying true to her uh, values. And then for Maeve to show up there, I thought was that part made sense. But I have no idea how she could have gotten <laughs> there. I mean, yeah, the scene it just kind of felt like one of those things where it's like you kind of saw it coming and you knew everyone's character arcs had to end like this, but at the same time, it was just so satisfying to finally see it play out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember me and my friends were all watching that, and then as soon as Babe showed up, we all started cheering, and it was so it was just like that was either the most exciting moment, but that was probably because of the atmosphere I was in when yeah. I was watching it. No, as someone who watched it totally alone with headphones on, I was still, like, cheering. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off, Ethan. Oh, no, I was just saying, it's, like, her redemption point in, like, the show. Yeah. yeah. So, do you guys have a favorite and or least favorite character in the show? Like, for the comic relief, I think the Deep has to be one of my favorites just because how badly he always messes everything up. <laughs> I also like uh, Mother's Milk, too, just because, like, he's kind of, like, He's similar to Billy Butcher, like he's strong, he can get stuff done, but he knows where to draw the line and like when to actually like just stop and maybe just call it quits. Yeah, I, I love the deep too. I think he's so funny, especially the that like whole scene where he's so insecure about his skills and he goes on that trip and he starts talking to them. I thought that was one of the funniest moments of the whole show. And then I also really like Frenchie. I think Frenchie's so funny and I like... I like how he was the only person protecting Kimiko, and then now uh, they all accept her, too, because of him. Yeah, I feel like I warmed up to Frenchie a lot more this season. I didn't wasn't a huge fan of him before, but I like they gave him some much-needed backstory, I think. And uh, also, yeah, definitely The Deep is one of my favorites. Like, when he's watching the news report of all the, like, heads being exploded, and he starts feeling his own head like it's going to get him. I also was a big fan of Lamplighter. I think the show did a good job of making us, like, get a really good understanding of a character in a very short amount of time. Like he probably only had 30 minutes to an hour of screen time in the whole series before he's gone. But yeah. I, I just like know. how they came back to that whole like situation where like Lamplighter burns that one woman's like her grandchildren and then they just go back to explain it from like everyone's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. It was like 
like how shows like Lost or like Arrow or something will do an episode or will usually have episodes where there's like the present day plot and then the flashback plot that somehow ties into it. And yeah, it was cool to see the boys kind of attempt that with a lot of success in that episode. So overall, how would you compare season two and season one? Which one do you think it, season two was an improvement? Do you think it was worse or do you think it was just just different but still like the same quality? I kind of like season two better because you just got like a lot more background information about like a lot of the characters, especially like Frenchie, Mother's Milk, Mother's Milk, Billy Butcher, a little bit of Homelander. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's why I like season two more. I felt it was more story driven, whereas the first one, uh, they they put in a lot of action compared to season two. But I thought I thought the house how like really steep story driven season two was was uh was really cool because there's not many superhero shows like that that's interesting because i actually uh have the exact opposite (laughs) opinion as that on the two seasons uh to me season one seemed like a really like focused plot and story it was kind of building towards the like the bill to introduce soups into the military and all that stuff and like huey being introduced to this world whereas season two felt a lot less focused to me but a lot more like character-based like rather than focusing on the story it would focus on the mindsets of all of these different players in the story that being said I think the overall writing for season one the storytelling was a bit better but season two I think had a lot more like moments that really blew me away and just like overall I probably enjoyed watching season two more and then waiting for the next episode anticipating what was going to happen seeing it play out and get that satisfaction I also liked uh, the character development they had in season two. Like with Huey, Huey used to be like kind of a coward and like easily messed stuff up. Like how he blew up um transparent, translucent, sorry. But like in um, season two, he kind of starts calling the shots a little bit more, like going against Billy's wishes and all that stuff. And then like in the very end, he realizes he needs to be his own person, not like cling on to everyone else. And he also kind of, I guess he more accepted the fact that like, his girlfriend was gone and stopped doing everything like out of revenge for her and more for like just the good of everyone. Yeah. So wrapping things up then, what are your predictions for season three? What do you want to see and what do you think you're going to see? I want to see, uh, like I was saying earlier, I want to see Ryan's, how, how the government is going to be treating Ryan parallel, how it was treating Homelander and then Butcher's response to that and Homelander's response for that because if he's serious about what he was saying in season two, where he uh, he doesn't want Ryan to grow up the way he did, rather than just build Ryan as this like ultra superhero, I guess. I can't think of a better adjective. And then if Butcher sees what's happening to Ryan and recognize, if he's going to recognize that this is why Homelander is the way he is and then tries to get him to raise Ryan himself. I also feel like you're going to see like more internal conflict with Homelander, especially with like, cause Maeve and Starlight aren't, um, aren't afraid of him anymore. So like he can't kind of boss them around. And even then, like most of the people in the seven are starting to realize like he, uh, Homelander has his weaknesses in some areas. Yeah. I'm also hoping we're going to see like more of the seven turn. Cause at this point it kind of seems half and half, like the deep a train Starlight, Queen Maeve have all kind of done a heel turn a bit. Um, Black Noir, I guess, is in a coma still, which sucks because he was one of my favorite characters. But I'm hoping, 
we, we might see like somebody, I don't know, we might see some new superheroes join the team. Um, but my specific theories, number one, I think, I think we're going to see like robot Darth Vader Stormfront for sure. There's got to be a reason that they like didn't explicitly show her die or tell us she was dead. And I think it's because she's going to go Anakin Skywalker and she's going to get a robot suit. Um, probably an eye patch too, just because it'll look evil. <laughs> and then I think, I think Frenchie is going to die personally. I don't think he has long in the show. And I started thinking this during the prison escape one because they were just, they were giving him a little bit too much backstory. And you know, like whenever a show starts going that deep into a character's like life and flashbacks and stuff, it usually means they're closing out their arc. And I don't know, it seems like at the end of that season, Frenchie like learned to let Kamiko be her own person and stop trying to keep her safe and let her keep herself safe. And it seemed like he kind of got closure for like Lamplighter and Mallory's kids. So I think, I think we didn't see enough major character deaths in season two. So I think season three is going to kill off somebody and it might be Frenchie. I agree with you because like, personally, I saw like more like of a romantic like growth between Kimiko and uh, Frenchie, which is like all the more reason they could potentially kill him off. Yeah, I also agree with the Frenchie part. I just don't see where his character goes from here. Yeah, I also think, and this one might be a bit of a stretch, but this is more of just like a hoping, like a hope more than a theory. But I think Lamplighter could still be alive because one, the fact that like they got such a big name actor, Sean Ashmore to play him. And then they just killed him off after like an episode and a half seemed a bit suspicious Two, the fact that like almost all the superheroes we've seen have some insane immunity. And just because we saw him as like a burned out husk, I guess, doesn't have to mean he's dead. And if he is alive, he's definitely being like kept by Vought somewhere for some big plan that we'll see later on. It's going to be two Darth Vaders. <laughs> two Darth Vaders. Uh, I thought the exact same thing with, as you when I saw Stormfront. I was like, that's Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say on the record also when Stormfront got uh, lasered by Ryan, I bet she did not see that coming. <laughs> I'll probably cut that joke out. <laughs> nah, you have to keep that in. Fine. Um, but yeah, I'm glad Ryan had the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's pretty much the end of what I had. Do you guys have any questions you want to pose to the group? Anything else you want to say about the show? The only thing I could think of is that, like, we should do a count of how many times they say cuck or cuck holding. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another, too, like, where you think, like, they wouldn't say this word 50 times on TV. <laughs> they do. <laughs> or how many times um, Billy Butcher says the C word. <laughs> or if they're gonna people explode like water balloons in this show and it just gets bloodier every episode i feel like yeah <laughs> i think it's it's so like ridiculous every time i think it's hilarious i'm still wondering how like in a show with all of this like disturbing gore and stuff the thing that still got to me the most was a grown man talking to his gills <laughs> yeah that's it i thought that was so funny <laughs> yeah yeah i guess on that note, that wraps up our podcast. The Boys on Amazon Prime, although if you made it this far into the episode, you've probably seen it already, so <laughs> you don't need to know where it is. 
Uh, thank you guys. Impact 89 FM signing out. See you. Thanks for having us.